mom and dad are in heaven right now and they're both saying the same thing. Jimmy, it's about damn time you came to your senses. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy, well, Jimmy. I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Not scared. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Just a little irritated. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI 92.9 FM, in Maui, Hawaii on KAKU 88.5 FM. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM, Palinville, New York's 102.9 FM WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, Washington, D.C.'s 105.5 FM, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We're also heard streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe every day of the week. On the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Deprogrammed Radio, Detour Talk, and Radio Sputnik, amongst other fine affiliates, nation and worldwide. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, An all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today or tonight or this morning, whenever you may be tuning in. Uh, Coming up, we are heading out out to coal country with one of uh, my favorite guests. I don't know if you agree, Desi Doyen. Oh, definitely. The always (laughs) colorful, longtime friend of the show, as they say, uh, and friend of progressives nationwide and... Specifically, those struggling to survive in coal-battered West Virginia. If you can find any such progressives there other than Bob Kincaid, who will be joining us uh, shortly. I look forward to that. Also, Green News Report coming up a little bit later. Yay! Lots of uh, actually good news in uh, in today's report, believe it or not. And even one sort of bad news story We've got an update for that, a good news update for it. Indeed. So there's that to look forward to as everything else devolves. Stay tuned. Uh, in the meantime, well, we've been talking about this, Des, for the last uh, week or or three at this point, whether, whether or not the Senate was going to go into pro forma session during their August recess or not in order to block Donald Trump from... Uh, A, firing Jeff Sessions, and then B, being able to recess appoint someone in his place. Well, it looks like that's exactly what they're doing. What the Republicans are doing are uh, are, are coming together to actually prevent Donald Trump from being able to do that. They used to do it all the time to keep Barack Obama from recess appointing anyone. The Republicans used to do it all the time. Republicans used to do it, and now the Republicans are still doing it but this to time, stop a Republican president yeah. from doing so. The Senate blocked President Trump from being able to make recess appointments on Thursday as lawmakers are leaving Washington, D.C. for their summer break. Senator Lisa Murkowski 
It's gaining a lot of fans among Democrats, I, I should think, of late. Uh, she was uh, doing the wrap-up for the entire Senate, and she locked in nine pro forma sessions. These are brief meetings. They last about one minute long in order to say that, yes, the Senate is still in session, even though it's really not. But um, that keeps anybody, keeps any presidents from being able to recess a point to anyone, and uh, it requires the agreement of every U.S. senator essentially, and they got it. So the set, the Senate will now be in session every three business days for about one minute during the August recess. Uh, senators are still in town over the next week, some of them at least, um, uh, wrapping up uh, a, a few remaining agenda items, and then they'll be leaving Washington. Mitch McConnell had tried to push back the recess until mid-August, but uh, then everything fell through on health care, so they said, well, the hell with this, let's go home. So that's where we are. And uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer had warned last month that Democrats had, quote, tools in their toolbox to prevent a recess appointment. Essentially, he was planning on filibustering the motion to adjourn. But now with these pro forma sessions, it looks like he will not have to do that. Um, I think Progress notes that there are also bipartisan efforts in the Senate to take further steps, we reported on this a little bit yesterday, uh, to take further steps to protect Bob Mueller, the special counsel, from being fired. This includes uh, Democratic Senator Chris Coons and Republican Senator Tom Tillis and the bill that they introduced on Thursday to make it even harder for Trump to fire Mueller, essentially allowing a court to reinstate Mueller if he was fired and uh, for anything but clear misconduct of course that bill is uh, just getting started now there's another similar bill to it with uh, republican lindsey graham and democrat cory booker uh but those still have to move forward and they would still have to overcome a presidential veto if donald trump decided to put those in place but um you know d- in addition to uh, putting these uh, pro forma sessions in place McConnell has been holding all kinds of votes uh, majority leader Mitch McConnell has been holding all kinds of votes over the past week in defiance of the White House which had said the Senate should not vote on anything until Obamacare is repealed but they started voting on all sorts of things over the past week so while I'm not convinced that this will last uh that that's sort of too Big FUs, if you will, from McConnell to Trump over the past week, putting these pro forma sessions uh, in place, holding all kinds of votes on stuff other than health care over this past week. And yes, it was only one week ago when the GOP health care debacle crashed and burned. Seems like a month ago. Oh, wow. Yes. That was just one week ago. Um. In any event, uh, Senate Republicans, if not yet, not yet House Republicans, uh, seem to be stepping up their own break from this president, at least a little bit. And frankly, it's a wonder it took them so long. But I guess better late and still half-heartedly than never. Uh, by way of another example, Congress must approve a spending bill to avoid a government shutdown by the end of September and an increase in the debt ceiling uh, to authorize payments for stuff that we have already spent money on. And agreed to pay for. Correct. So what could go wrong in that process? But in its own spending bill, the U.S. House passed before they recessed for their five-week-long August break. Uh, The Republican House uh, approved a spending bill that would authorize some $1.6 billion for Donald Trump's border wall with Mexico. 
which, as we have learned uh, from this transcript that was released with the Trump's call with the Mexican president, even Donald Trump does not believe that Mexico will actually pay for it. So if we build it, we'll be stuck. The taxpayers will be stuck paying for it. And the U.S. House seems to be fine with that. They've put in one point six billion dollars for it to get it started could cost as much as $20 billion. But over in the U.S. Senate, they've already begun to strip that spending out of their version of the 2018 budget. Uh, And that makes sense for the U.S. Senate to do that because so many of their members, unlike those in the U.S. House, so many of their members are going to be up for statewide re-election next year, as opposed to the ridiculous gerrymandering that goes on in the in the House and in these Republican congressional districts where it's far easier to be an extremist uh, and get re-elected than it would be for uh, for senators. So if if members were forced in the U.S. House to actually give a damn about what the American people want, they, too, would simply ignore Trump at this point on so many things, including the unnecessary, expensive, and wildly unpopular Mexican border wall. A majority of likely voters in a new poll does not think that U.S. should build this wall along the country's southern border. The poll finds that 37 percent of likely voters said the U.S. should construct a border wall in an effort to curb illegal immigration. Just 37 percent with 56 percent disagreeing with that. 56 being against that wall. Now, what makes this uh, actually more extraordinary? That poll comes from Rasmussen. The conservative right-wing polling outfit Rasmussen finds that 56% are against the wall. And remember, this is uh, Donald Trump's favorite polling outfit. Uh, And they're not only against the wall, they're also against Donald Trump, according to this same poll, according to Rasmussen reports. This right leaning, uh, often criticized by, you know, everyone who's not Donald Trump or Fox News uh, polling outfit. According to them, earlier this week, Trump's approval rating dipped below 40 percent for the first time ever. That reflects a new low uh, for Trump's uh, approval in this particular poll. But in every mainstream poll, he has been falling. But it's most notable, I think, here because this is Rasmussen. Trump uh, got approval from just over uh, about 39 percent of likely U.S. voters compared to 61 percent disapproval rating from Rasmussen. That was earlier in the week. Um, 26 percent of the respondents said they strongly approve of Trump's performance, just 26 percent, while 49 percent said they strongly disapprove. That's a 23 point drop in Trump's overall Rasmussen approval since he started office. And by the way, these numbers were from earlier this week. Uh, Midweek, it dropped even further. 38% of likely voters approve of the job Trump is doing, just 38% compared to 62% who disapprove. So that's actually a 25-point drop since Trump came to office. And remember... Donald Trump, this is back in, uh, what was it, in June, just last uh, well, month or so ago, um, he had tweeted, the new Rasmussen poll, one of the most accurate in the 2016 election, just out with a Trump 50% approval rating. That's higher than Obama's numbers. 
There really is a tweet for everything, a Trump tweet for everything. For some reason, he hasn't said anything about no. this newest uh, polling from the most accurate in the 2016 election, as he described it. And it's not, of course, it's not only uh, Rasmussen where his polls are plummeting. Uh, a new poll out from Quinnipiac this week finds that just 33 percent of Americans approve of Trump uh, nationwide. Thirty three percent. That is, uh, well, th- these are all just records for a new president uh, at a time, you know, in the first eight months of their uh, their administration, when most presidents enjoy relatively high ratings during the so-called honeymoon period. Trump, however, is now dipping into the low 30s in a number of polls and into the higher 30s, even in the right leaning Rasmussen poll, the historically un- unpopular President and uh, the the failure of uh, both him and the Republicans in Congress to achieve any major legislation is costing those members, uh, the senators and House alike, particularly, though, in the U.S. Senate. For example, Arizona Republican junior senator Jeff Flake just clocked in at a remark. Get this. A remarkable approval rating of just 18 percent. That's low. You think? Now, that's from the admittedly left-leaning public policy polling survey, though they're very good uh, pollsters. Uh, Flake is facing re-election next year, and uh, he found himself on the wrong side of the GOP attempt to take health care away from tens of millions of Americans just one week ago. He voted uh, in favor of, of... you know, taking away health care from millions. The skinny his, repeal. He voted for yeah, that. Yes, he did. And his uh, senior senator from Arizona, John McCain, was the decisive vote in ending that attempt, at least for now, and ending the uh, years-long Republican crusade to repeal and replace Obamacare. Jeff Flake voted the wrong way. Undoubtedly, taking notice of the prevailing winds, nonetheless, Flake has, uh, as he heads into a re-election year, he has seemingly begun to distance himself from the enormously unpopular president. That same PPP poll out yesterday, finding him with just an 18 percent approval rating, finds that only 31 percent of respondents in Arizona would support Flake's re-election bid, which is coming up next year. Republican in the U.S. Senate. In Arizona, just 31 percent. He's been making the rounds promoting his uh, his latest book. He's been increasingly critical of Donald Trump in public, although that didn't stop him from uh, casting that vote the wrong way when it came to health care. The Arizona Republican uh, recently said in a piece for Politico that his party is in denial about the damage that Trump is doing to the party. He called on GOP colleagues to stand up to the president when they see his rhetoric gone astray, but it didn't keep him from voting. Yeah, I, I, I just I, trying to have it every which way. Is he unclear about the idea that your actions are also included? People see this stuff. They follow along. Your actions speak louder than your words. And just because you're selling a book doesn't make a difference. Uh, apparently, yeah, he he hasn't noticed. I guess this op ed in uh, Politico uh, was was earlier this spring. He said to carry on in the spring of 2017 as if what was happening was anything approaching normalcy required a determined suspension of critical faculties and a tremendous power of denial yeah and then he went and voted <laughs> to repeal health care 
Uh, anyway, uh, after uh, Flake's dismal approval ratings were published, uh, a DNC spokesman said that it wasn't a surprise that uh, that uh, Flake had such high disapproval ratings, pointing to his health care vote. DNC spokesman Vedant Patel said in a statement, Surprisingly, Senator Flake and Republicans have still not shied away from an agenda that prioritizes the wealthy and steamrolls the middle class. There are a lot of Republicans still doing it. And so it might be surprising to a Republican, uh, I'm sorry, a Democratic spokesperson at the DNC. But what's even more surprising? When a rather high profile Democrat in this political environment decides to become a Republican and joins hands with the wildly unpopular Donald Trump in order to do it. You got to head to coal country to find something like that. And that's what we will do after this break when we will be joined by our old friend Bob Kincaid from West Virginia on that story and much more right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Almost have West Virginia. Yep. Blue Ridge Mountain, Shenandoah River. Ah. Welcome back. Life is old it's the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Taking you home on country roads. Uh, well, uh, not all politicians, Republican politicians, uh, as we were discussing in the last segment, are now looking to distance themselves from Donald Trump. Some, incredibly enough, are actually just now deciding to join Donald Trump, believe it or not. You will recall just last week, Donald Trump wasn't even a week ago at this point. Seems like forever ago. In any event, Donald Trump gave a rollicking, very political and occasionally sexually tinged speech to a group of thousands of, yes, Boy Scouts at their annual Jamboree event. That resulted in the Boy Scouts of America issuing an apology for the remarks of the president of the United States at that Jamboree. And then a claim by Trump that the Boy Scouts had actually called him afterwards to tell him that it was the greatest speech they had ever heard. The Boy Scout leadership was then forced to say that such a call never happened. The speech in question was at the annual Jamboree held this year in West Virginia at, uh, at the James C. Justice National Scout Camp a facility named for the man who is now the West Virginia governor and, not coincidentally, the wealthiest man in the state, the only billionaire in West Virginia, I believe. Less than one week after that speech at the Jamboree, Donald Trump returned to West Virginia for another speech in coal country for another rally, this time at an official Trump re-election campaign rally at which he promised a big announcement. 
West Virginia's newly elected Democratic governor, Jim Justice, had decided to change his party affiliation to Republican just eight months after his election. His first, by the way, as a politician last November. Here's the governor making his big announcement on Thursday night at the Trump campaign rally. Today, I will tell you with lots of prayers and lots of thinking, today, I tell you as West Virginians, I can't help you anymore being a Democrat governor. So tomorrow, I will be changing my registration to Republican. That was Jim Justice, Governor Jim Justice of West Virginia, uh, at his uh, at, at Trump's campaign rally on Thursday. Democrat governor, he said, doesn't sound very democratic to me. In any event, the flip, as Reed Wilson at The Hill describes, is a slap in the face to the Democratic Governors Association, which had spent more than one million dollars trying to get justice elected in 2016, successfully so. The Republican Governors Association spent $3.7 million backing his GOP rival, but perhaps they'll be able to overlook that now. Trump reportedly won the state of West Virginia in the presidential election last year by 42 points, his largest margin of victory over Clinton in any state. The same election where the former Republican coal baron turned Democrat, now turned back to Republican Jim Justice, won the governor's race by a smaller but still fairly healthy margin of nearly seven points. Here to discuss what, uh, if anything, Justice's flip means to the country and the state and hopefully some more insight into the surprising votes of West Virginia's two U.S. senators, in the recent health care debacle in uh, in the U.S. Senate is our old friend, fourth generation West Virginia, I think fourth generation West Virginian, Bob Kincaid. Uh, he's is that right, Bob? For ninth. Ninth generation. I got to fix my notes here. Uh, he's also the co-founder of the Appalachian Community's Health Emergency Campaign, president of Coal River Mountain Watch, host and creator of the Head On Radio Network a longtime leader in the fight against mountaintop removal coal mining and the horrors that accompany it in West Virginia coal country, and I suspect perhaps the least surprised man in the state, maybe the nation, that Jim Justice flipped from Democratic to Republican. Hey, Bob, welcome back to the broadcast, my friend. Hey, Brad, how are you? Good to talk to you. And to you, as always. Uh, now, the last time we had you on, and it was well over a year ago, shamefully, I think, uh, it was early in the campaign year, you had warned about then-Democratic candidate Jim Justice telling uh, listeners at the time that he was anything but a, a progressive or even a real Democrat. I'm guessing his big announcement on Thursday night at that rally with Donald Trump did not shock you? Uh, no, actually, uh, I predicted that he would uh, actually. I predicted that he would openly endorse Trump prior to the general election. He didn't quite get around to doing that, but he did everything. But uh, he uh, and and uh, you played that clip of mm -hmm. him. Uh, there was another part of it where he talked about his his old sainted mama would have said to him when he become a Republican, Jim. What took you so long, son? <laughs> yes, and. Uh, it, no, not really. Uh, Mammy must have a short memory because, see, uh, 
He was still a Republican in 2015, Brad. Yep. This is not a surprise for anybody who knows what's going on here. Oh, and just a little correction. Yeah. Um, he insisted that that, that scout thingy uh, be named for his sainted daddy, because after who uh, was also James ah. C. Justice, because you have to remember, Jim Justice earned his money the old-fashioned way, he inherited it. Yes, he did. He inherited a lot of it, and uh, so so he's claiming that the the scout facility, James C. Justice, uh, is named after his father, James C. Justice, instead of him, James C. Justice. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, any idea? Because he's, yeah. he's a humble man, Brad. He's yes. a humble man. Yes, he is. Uh, so, any idea? What, well, a lot to be humble about. What? Why did? Uh, why did this happen? What caused him to make this official announcement just months after being elected? as a Democrat, particularly at a time when, uh, as we've been discussing, the president's approval ratings and uh, for Republicans in general are at incredible lows. What happened here? Well, uh, Trump's approval ratings may be in the toilet in the rest of the country, but they're not in the toilet here. This is still the Trumpiest place in the world. <laughs> well, so there's nothing to be lost in that. It, 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 it there isn't. But oddly enough, uh, you know, it seems that justice has actually taken what uh, could be considered, uh, Bob, some some fairly progressive positions. Uh, I'm sure you'll correct me here, but on economic issues, at least by recent uh, West Virginia standards uh, since taking office, uh, he's clashed with uh, the GOP-controlled legislature. He's proposed raising state revenue by some $450 million with a consumer tax. He called for reinstituting a tax on businesses, uh, putting in place a so-called rich man's tax. He uh, reportedly opposed plans to cut health and education. He vetoed the Republican budget bill last April and calling it a quote, nothing more than a bunch of political, you know what, and displaying actual bull feces on a printed copy of the bill at the time. So uh, that's why I say what happened here. He, he sounded like he was uh, clashing with the uh, Republicans in West Virginia. No, not not really. Uh, when Jim Justice proposes taxes, they're always on somebody else. Because uh, Jim Justice is a tax cheat. He doesn't pay his own. Mm. And like uh, you mentioned, the uh, Democratic Governors Association, the money they spent getting him elected. Well, they'll have to take a number because, like his buddy Donald Trump, he's stiffed a whole lot of people that they're going to have to get behind you know, before, they, before they get to have a word with him. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing progressive about him, uh, Brad. Uh, you know, the things that this state needs that he was talking about are things that a stone-cold idiot knows this state needs. And, well, I repeat myself. Well, uh, well yeah, but, but there's a I lot mean, of... We, we, need, we, yeah. Need, we need roads. We need infrastructure. We need good jobs. But what didn't happen, uh, the, the, the beloved sacred cow of this state, the coal industry, and, of course, he's a coal baron who mm -hmm. makes part of his billions off of blowing up mountains and, and, and burying streams and poisoning people... Uh, there was no proposal that coal began to pay anything resembling its fair share, not for what it does for this state, but for what it does to it. 
The uh, NPR in uh, last year called him the top mine safety delinquent in the U.S. because of his uh, mining companies and their history of safety violations and, as you note, unpaid taxes. And I guess we should underscore, since you talked about his buddy Trump, uh, doing some research on this guy before taking office as governor. Justice resigned from all his executive positions at his uh, some 50 businesses. He placed his daughter, Jill, in charge of the uh, Green Briar golf course, which uh, he owns, and his son Jay, in charge of his mining and agricultural business, says he will place all his assets in a blind trust, but that process will take some time because of their complexity. Bob, that sounds incredibly familiar, doesn't it? Uh, uh, yeah, almost as if his daughter was named Ivanka and his yeah. son was named Uday. I mean, uh, <laughs> Don Jr. Right. I, I mean, it's it's really uh, incredibly Trumpian. But what I'm trying to figure out here is his his flip uh, uh, from a Republican uh, from Democratic to Republican brings to mind. Uh, you'll recall, Bob, Republican U.S. Senator Jim Jeffords back in 2001. He he became an independent at the time uh, who subsequently caucused with the Democrats. That earned him the derisive nickname from right wing talk radio, Jumpin' Jim Jeffords. But while Jeffords gave the Democrats control of the U.S. Senate at the time, so it's sort of understandable the right wingers would be furious. What does the flip of jumping Jim Justice actually accomplish uh, for the Republicans, either nationally or even in the state of West Virginia? I'm, I don't understand it. It doesn't. It doesn't do much nationally, uh, save for the. Uh, but, but on a on a state level, Brad, uh, it's a it's a sop thrown to the Trumpanzees. Okay, uh, that he's that he's one of them. It's. Uh, because, like I said, I wasn't kidding. There's, mm -hmm. it's, it's still a net good thing to be all Trumpy here, right? I don't, I don't know if you've seen any of, the, any of those man on the street interviews that have been done, but it's, it's all, it's all full of people. Yeah, poor Trump. He's trying real hard. He's a, he's a regular guy just like me, and, and that's what Jim Justice is, is trying to convey in his own right. It also, though, uh, if 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 you if you like a, a, a little a little paranoia mixed in, it's also uh, um, uh, almost a a uh, um, a killing stroke for the now moribund West Virginia Democratic Party, mm. uh, because the West Virginia Democratic Party here is little more than a cult of personality for Joe Manchin. Mm -hmm. uh, it, since Joe Manchin got his hands on the Democratic Party in West Virginia. We've lost everything. Hmm. We, lost, we lost the legislature that we had held for 83 years. And we lost it because, uh, because under Joe Manchin's leadership and his little, his little cadre, his little, his little uh, group of minions, they, they decided to be Republican light. Yeah. Which had been, you know, Joe, Joe Manchin is the original Dino. Uh, so that, that, that's, you know, that's part of it, too. Well, let me. Uh, why? Yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I, I, because I, I wanted to ask you about this because in both cases, with both of your U.S. senators at various times over the over recent weeks uh, during the Obamacare repeal fight. Uh, well, let me, let me. You, you mentioned Manchin, but let me start with Shelley Moore Capito for a second, West Virginians' Republican, actual Republican U.S. senator, who voted at least on a few occasions against 
the GOP to repeal uh, the GOP attempt to repeal health care. Now, she ended up voting with Republicans in their final attempt, really the one that kind of mattered. But were you surprised that she was at least occasionally on the right side of that uh, particular fight in the U.S. Senate? No, I was waiting for her, for the deal to be sweetened sufficiently for her to do what uh, what she does, and that is slip the shiv to working people in in West Virginia. You got to remember, Brad, Shelley Moore Capito. That Moore means something. She is the daughter of Arch Moore, the single most corrupt, venal, criminal individual ever to occupy the governor's mansion in the state of in the, in the entire history of the state of West Virginia, and that's saying something. Wow. She watched her. She watched her daddy when he was governor of West Virginia in, 19, in 1972, put the wood to, uh, uh, to, to thousands of people who had been killed, injured, displaced, rendered homeless when a, uh, when a, when a uh, multi-million gallon sludge dam broke loose in Buffalo Creek. And, you know, Arch was decidedly on the side of the uh, of, of the coal companies mm-hmm. in that, declaring that it was not anything having to do with the coal company, but in fact an act of God, <laughs> and, and 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 consequently she learned at the foot of the master, and I, I hate to impute the sins of the father onto the children, but the apple falleth not far from the tree in this instance, and so I was simply waiting for, and as was Shelley, mm-hmm. for the for the right moment to come along when she could when she when she could really really give it to her constituents good. And that's exactly what happened. The rest of it was just theater. Yeah, well, that's right. In the end, uh, she ended up uh, voting with the Republicans, so they must have sweetened that pot for her to, to, to do that. So maybe it shouldn't be that much of a surprise. But I, I think in one sense, uh, Bob Kincaid, I was even more surprised that your Democratic, so-called Democratic senator, who I know you're a fan of, and the former governor there, Joe Manchin, as you mentioned, that he actually stuck with the Democrats during the health care fight. Desi and I uh, had discussed actually many times how we were kind of surprised that he held tight with the Democrats during that fight. And to be honest, Bob, I was surprised and impressed that the entire Democratic caucus actually held together uh, entirely in both chambers. Um, he's up for re-election next year. Is his vote with the Democrats, at least in that case, going to uh, put him into any kind of danger in West Virginia? Well, he has to win the primary first, and he will win the primary going away without any doubt whatsoever. Uh, he led the charge, and, and you know I give credit where credit's due. He led the, he led the fight to try to preserve uh, UMWA miners' pensions, and the, the the miners occupy a a fetishized cult status in Appalachia, and that's going to go a long way. And so too will this health care vote. Uh, Joe Manchin getting something right can be filed under a even a blind hog finds an acorn now and then. And two, B, B, uh, and, and I know this, might, this may not sit well with your listeners. It doesn't sit well with mine. But again, you have to acknowledge reality. What we saw in that health care fight was a really, really good job of keeping people uh, uh, on message, in line, uh, on the part of Nancy Pelosi in the House and, 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 and Chuck Schumer in the Senate, and I have lots of objections and lots of issues with Chuck Schumer, but in that instance, that was a manifestation of leadership, because nobody broke ranks, and trying to keep, and, and keeping Joe Manchin from, uh, yeah. from following his bone-deep inclination 
to uh, go and wallow with Republicans yeah. is 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 an accomplishment up there with 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 discovering the unified field theory. <laughs> you know, you're right. I mean, finally, uh, something to give credit to Chuck Schumer for, I guess, if only keeping Manchin in line. You, you mentioned he's got to get through the primary and that he will, but is he being challenged from the progressive left in uh, in West Virginia? And, and by the way, uh, well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, from the progressive left, it's, 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 uh, mm. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a fund there's a fundraising and marketing campaign going on to create the illusion of a primary challenge for Joe Manchin. Mm. Uh, the the fact of the matter is it's going to come to nothing except fundraising. Now on 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 the other hand, uh, the the question's going to happen in November, and it's going to be a question of do you want to keep do you want to keep Joe Manchin or do you want to get rid of him entirely? And, uh, and 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 get something you know one, uh, the the real deal, not Republican light, but the real Benghazi screaming, climate change denying. You know, at least Joe Manchin acknowledges there's a climate, uh, <laughs> but you're not going to get any that any of that with Patrick Morrissey, who's a hopeful, who's the Attorney General, whose wife is is was a lobbyist for the opioid industry, and was. Deeply in, and, and, and which companies were deeply involved in dumping all those pills into West Virginia. Or you can get Evan Jenkins, who is currently my congressman, who has been a Democrat, been a Republican, been a Democrat, but what he is is he's a, uh, a self-interested thing. Uh, but right now he's towing the pro-coal, uh, what we would have known once upon a time as the teabagger line, and he's a, he's a pro-Trump what have you. Don Blankenship has even said that he's thinking about a Republican Senate run. So uh, from jail? Isn't he in jail? No, no, he's out. He's, he's out already? No. Yeah, he's out. He'd be running from Las Vegas. Uh, <laughs> well, but, but that, I mean, that's that's the state of things. I, I have thought of you uh, over the past uh, few months as this has come up, and uh, people were talking about uh, when when Manchin was voting with the Republicans. People saying we must uh, primary him; it's time to get rid of him. And uh, the question that came to my uh, head that I'd love your thoughts on: uh, if a primary, if a legitimate uh, primary is ever run against Joe Manchin out there, that somehow damages him, that leads to uh, an actual uh, Republican winning uh, the U.S. Senate. Is it better to have an occasional Democrat uh, in the U.S. Senate, even if, you know, at, at this point, under Trump, if it means the Democrats get their majority back, even if it includes guys like Joe Manchin, who are anything but reliable Democratic votes? Well, that's the, that's the calculation that's involved here, Brad. Uh, imagine, now, it, first of all, it's an uphill climb in 2018. Uh the Republicans only have to save nine seats. Democrats have to save 23 plus two independents. Yep. So it, that's, that's a tough call. But after the health care debate, you know, uh, Dean Heller's in, in trouble. Yep. Uh, but, but I don't see there's not a clear path to picking up three Senate seats out of those nine. Mm -hmm. on the, on the, so on the other hand, though, if there would be a way to have a Senate majority that would include that, that meant having Joe Manchin. Yeah, that's got some value to it because look, uh, the the other part of this, the front end of this, 
is getting a majority in the House of Representatives. If you can get a majority in the House of Representatives, you can get uh, the Judiciary Committee can initiate uh, uh, can initiate a, a, a committee of a special inquiry, and then you're on the road to impeachment. And then you know maybe he's maybe, maybe Trump has disgusted enough Republicans that if you put all of those Democrats together, uh, you can get your way up to 67 votes to remove him from office. And I'm trying to be a big picture guy in all of this. How, how and that yeah. is brutally important. Uh, I, you know, I think so too, and that's why when I hear uh, uh, folks who, uh, you know, progressives who just want to get rid of Manchin because he is not reliable. There is something to be said for having the majority in uh, in the well, House and the yeah, Senate. Let's be clear about something here, Brad. If a progressive want, was, you know, uh, if, 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 if pigs grew wings and, and, and sheep were perched in trees and, 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 and leprechauns rode across the open plain in, <laughs> on, on three-legged unicorns and a, and a progressive actually beat Joe Manchin in the primary... The Republican nominee would beat that progressive like a little tin drum in West Virginia. And that, okay? yeah, go ahead. Let there be no 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 question about it, because sooner because this state really is this state. There's a lot of misunderstanding about West Virginia out there. I live here. I know the people with whom I live. And the first time a progressive gets asked the question, well, what about the precious little fetuses? And the progressive gives an honest answer that a woman's right to choose is a constitutional right that must not be that must not be abridged. You know, just like the Second Amendment, that that candidate, that candidacy, that campaign is over. Well, in how that do, how do then? And I've got just a, a minute or two here, Bob, because I want to ask you also about how things are going in coal country in general. But how does West Virginia uh, break the grip of these uh, of coal and these uh, fake Democrats at this point? Is that just an impossibility for generations now? No, I wouldn't say it's an impossibility, but it's got to, it's got to change in. Frankly, it's got to change in the millennial generation. And even the millennials here are Trumpy. Mm. So that's the that's the nature that's the nature of the problem that confronts us. I mean, if if you want if you want to win a, a, a progressive Democratic seat in the House or the Congress of West Virginia, you're going to have to find a pro coal, pro gun, pro fetus, anti choice, godded up progressive. When was the last time you ran into one of those, Brad? Uh, well, yeah, has been a while. <laughs> the the, the it's certainly uh, in West Virginia. Good luck. Uh, and, but I want to ask you before I go here, Bob. Uh, now that uh, Trump has has ended the uh, long war on coal, has finally come to an end. Uh, how are things going in clean coal country? I hear uh, Trump tells me tens of thousands. Yes, he actually said that tens of thousands of coal jobs have come roaring back. Uh, so things must be great there now, or alternately, are folks in West Virginia at all finally beginning to understand that they have been conned on all of this, uh, that there has never really been a war on coal? Uh, are, no. are they starting to get it at all out there? No, 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 no. Uh, they, they believe it all. But the best thing, the, the, the thing that really helped end the war on coal is that that one in our White House is gone now. Okay, America is great again. See, that's the thing. All of this economic anxiety, 
uh, baloney that's been brooded about since uh, since November the 8th is exactly that. It's all just a fig leaf for bare, naked racism, especially in a state like West Virginia. Tune in to uh, HeadOnRadioNetwork.com for more of Bob Kincaid and his bare-naked racism analysis. You won't be sorry. Uh, you can also find him and follow him on the Twitters at Bob Kincaid. Uh, Bob, always great talking to you, my friend. Uh, let's, uh, let's, I, I keep saying let's do it again more often. I'm going to try to stick to that this year. You know where to find me. Thank you, Thanks, Brad. Thank you, Bob. Okay, a quick break, and we're back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report, which has a whole bunch of really good news in it. <laughs> yes. That, which never happens. Uh, and we've got an update to one of the not-so-good news stories in it. So that's straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, Desi Doyen, I could not help but notice this uh, Green News report that we're about to do yeah. is our 799th. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Almost there to 800. Yes. Dang. Our next episode will be our 800th episode. So I will say thanks in advance to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate. Yes. To help us continue to do what we do on both the Bradcast and the Green News Report for uh, almost 800 episodes. Thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, and as I said, we got a couple of updates I want to hit uh, if we have time after what is now our 799th Green News Report. 2,000 acres home to more than 400 bird and plant species could soon see a border wall cut through the northern side of the refuge. DHS waives environmental laws, prepares to bulldoze wildlife refuge for Trump's border wall. Court of Appeals orders EPA to enforce methane regulations. Now Great Britain to phase out all diesel and gasoline cars. Plus... Uh, well, the next buy I do is my next car, which will be an electric vehicle. Shell Oil CEO says his next car will be electric. Really? Yes. Cool. All of those stories and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Looking at you... Two things are clear. Heaven is missing an angel. Well, thank you, Al Gore. And the U.S. is missing any kind of viable, responsible climate policy. Oh. This is your Green News Report. I'm gonna soak up the sun. 
Okay, Desi Doyen, I know uh, you and I are becoming a bit of a broken record here this summer, but more record heat waves across the U.S. and now up in the Northwest. Yes, Oregon is going to hit a record 103 degrees or so in the next couple of days. This is dangerous heat levels. Up in Oregon. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And that's very dangerous because not that many people have air conditioning up there. Yeesh. Every part of the country this summer. What else you got for us today to cheer us up? (laughs) Well, some good news. A federal court has ordered Trump's Environmental Protection Agency to enforce new Methane regulations. That is good Ru- news. I know. Ruling that a temporary delay imposed by EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt was illegal. That means drillers must now fix and repair leaks of methane, a potent greenhouse gas, while Administrator Pruitt works to roll back the regulations for a full two years in the meantime. That's even though the EPA admits itself that doing so will damage nearby residents' health. Sixteen state attorneys general sued the EPA this week after Administrator Pruitt blocked the implementation of an EPA rule reducing ground-level ozone pollution, a main ingredient in toxic smog, which is also a significant danger to public health. At this rate, Pruitt's EPA itself is a danger to public health. Yeah, no kidding. The Trump administration Department of Homeland Security announced on Tuesday that it will waive numerous major environmental laws in order to expedite construction of a section of Trump's controversial border wall near San Diego, California. DHS will use existing authority under a 2005 immigration law that exempts the agency from 37 major laws like the National Environmental Policy Act, the Endangered Species Act, and the Clean Water Act. Mm. In Texas, the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol confirms that it is preparing to construct a segment of the border wall through the heart of the crucial Santa Ana Bird and Wildlife Refuge. That's in part because it's already federal land and therefore is the easiest place to jumpstart construction. Refuge officials say the wall will destroy the refuge. Well, the good thing about walls is that even if they go up, they can and they will eventually come down. Good point. The Trump administration's decision to strip grizzly bears in and around Yellowstone National Park of their endangered species protections has already gone into effect on Monday. But now nine Native American tribes, including the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe, are suing in court to restore those protections under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Mm, Something the Trump administration used to pretend to care about. Exactly. Good news, though, for endangered American wolves. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals has now overturned a U.S. Fish and Wildlife decision to delist the gray wolf under the Endangered Species Act back in 2011. That removed endangered species protections for the gray wolf in nine states from Minnesota to Ohio. So gray wolves are protected again. Yes. For now. For now. Some more good news. Britain will phase out gas and diesel cars by 2040 to reduce toxic air pollution and cut emissions. This occurs just two weeks after France announced a similar phase out. The British government will also devote more than $3 billion to clean air initiatives and a national electric vehicle charging network. The government of Queensland, Australia this week announced that it will build the world's longest electric vehicle highway to date, more than 2,000 miles long, and said that it should be complete within a year. And here in the U.S., the Los Angeles Public Transit Authority, the L.A. Metro, has announced it will replace its entire bus fleet with all electric buses by 2030 to cut air pollution and fuel costs. That's more than 2,000 all-electric buses in 12 years, which prompted electric bus manufacturer Proterra to open a new manufacturing 
manufacturing plant in the L.A. area. All of these big moves away from fossil fuels have prompted the CEO of Shell Oil, Ben Van Buren, to tell Bloomberg News this week his next car will be electric. The next buy I do is my next car, which will be an electric vehicle. I think the whole move to, uh, to electrify the economy, electrify mobility in places like uh, Northwest Europe, in the U.S., even in China, is a good thing. I mean, we need to be... Uh, at, a, at a much higher degree of electric vehicle penetration. Good for the CEO of Shell Oil. I know. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyle. And this has been your Green News Report. Beep, 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 yeah! Yeah, good for that uh, Shell CEO. And maybe I'll, I want to play an extended clip from that if I can in a moment here. But you've got some good news, Desi Doyen, uh, on the EPA's attempt. Well, you covered the EPA's attempt to reverse the methane rule, which a court has stopped them from doing. That's good news. But we also have a good news uh, update on that other rule that the EPA was attempting to block uh, the the rule to curb smog causing ozone pollution and 15 states were suing to stop the EPA from stopping, stopping. that rule, right? <laughs> exactly, right. So one day after those uh, state attorneys general filed yep. that lawsuit, the EPA turned around and said, oh, never mind, we're not going to do that. What? So Yeah, exactly. So now states were supposed to begin measuring and reporting their levels of ozone pollution. That's uh, called attainment. That's the, you know, whether they attained the new standard. That's the first step. So the agency then said in a federal register notice the next day, it may misunderstood how much information it had to make attainment decisions and now understands that the information gaps that formed the basis of their delay may not be a problem anymore, so they were so saying, reversed it. Uh, so they were saying, we don't have enough information to put this rule in place. Exactly. We have to study this more. Then they get sued. Then the EP goes, oh, well, we have the information after all. Yeah, we didn't like, see it there. Like they found it in the couch cushions or something. Because they lost in court on this other one. They knew they were going to lose in court oh, on totally. this one. Yeah, this there was zero, zero scientific de- justification for delay. So this reversal now means that areas will have to actually start recording their ozone levels, reporting them, and take that first step to come up with plans to make the air cleaner. I love what Pruitt said in his statement. We believe in dialogue with and being responsive to our state partners. <laughs> Depends on which state it is. I yeah, guess. and uh, she, and uh, when they get sued by them, maybe oh, yeah. maybe then they're interested. By the way, the EPA's own website says breathing air containing ozone quote can reduce lung function and increase respiratory symptoms like asthma. How did that one slip through the uh, the purge at the EPA website? Yeah, actually? maybe they decided to look at their own website to decide what the information was. All right, this uh, CEO that you played, do we have time? Yeah, let me let me play this because it's kind of remarkable. You know, you don't hear me very often lauding uh, oil company CEOs. But I think, I think, I'm not sure, but I think this guy actually deserved it. We played a part of him there. That was this Shell Oil 
uh, CEO Ben Van Buren. Yes. Is that how you say his name? Uh, on one of these, uh, Bloomberg, I guess yeah, it was on Bloomberg, Bloomberg News. News Business Network. And he's being asked about really all the bad news for oil companies that's come out due to, frankly, all the good news for things like renewables and electric cars and so forth. And I thought his answer was kind of surprising. So I want to play more of it in full here. Let's go ahead and play that. The storyboard of our news flow, UK to ban diesel cars, France is getting aggressive, Volvo's going electric. What does it mean for the CEO, one of the biggest oil companies in the world, when you see that news flow? Do you want to buy uh, an electric company? Do you want to diversify? Give me your quick take in terms of the news flow over the past 48 hours. Uh, well, the next buy I do is my next car, which will be an electric vehicle. I think the whole move to, uh, to electrify the economy, electrify mobility in places like uh, Northwest Europe, in the US, even in China, is a good thing. I mean, we need to be uh, at, uh, uh, at, a, at a much higher degree of electric vehicle penetration and or hydrogen vehicles or gas vehicles if you want to stay within the two degrees C outcome. But it won't be enough. Even if you went 100% electrical, even if everybody in the Western world would ban electric uh, or other things than electric vehicles, we would still see a very significant growth in, uh, in liquid mobility fuels. I think in the end, if policies really work well, if innovation really works well, I can see liquids peaking in demand in the early 30s. And maybe oil will peak a little bit earlier if there's a lot of biofuels coming into the mix as well. But, you know, that means basically that we have to adjust for that. First of all, there is a huge opportunity in new mobility forms. Yeah. Uh, you see our retail footprint changing, our ambitions there changing. You see us invest more in gas, which we think is, is a much more longer-lived hydrocarbon. Gas. And you see us also go into renewables. What? You see us going into petrochemicals more. And we have to, in that sense, continue to reinvent the company. Uh, am I being o overly optimistic there to, when I hear what he's saying, that uh, they're understanding that at least Shell Oil seems to be understanding that the world is moving on, we're moving to renewables, uh, we're moving away from oil? Yes, I think that you are. Well, I'm sorry, you're not being overly optimistic. Yes, it is something that is spreading throughout the oil industry as some of these uh, major oil industries, especially, you know, those that are based primarily in Europe like this, uh, are ones that are looking at what's actually happening with the regulatory landscape. And they're seeing, hey, this is happening. And it's only here in the United States that the oil industry is still trying to block that kind of uh, kind of progress. And uh, yeah, but here he was, the uh, oil oh, company. Talking about their investments, about, yes. And talking about uh, the, the problem of trying to stay below 2 degrees Celsius yeah. in uh, uh, heat uh, So increase. Shell is actually putting its money where its mouth is, starting to. Not fast enough, but starting to. Well, don't tell anyone we're, we're here saying nice things about oil companies. <laughs> Make sure no one hears this broadcast. Uh, thank you, our producer, Desi Doyen, and uh, to my guest today, of course, Bob Kincaid of the Head On Radio Network and of West Virginia's Coal River Mountain Watch. The uh, the uh, website for, for them is crmw.net. I don't believe I gave it earlier. crmw.net. My thanks also to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. My thanks again to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to do what we try to do every day over your public airwaves. 
And you can drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And otherwise, find us, follow us, and yes, share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters where I am simply the Brad Blog. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Maybe you can drive my car. And maybe I love you.